0: Hey, what's up, everybody? It's the fly host you love the most. And I'm back with another episode of Fulfilling Life's Yearnings. And today's special guest is David Welsh. And David is a young professional with Asperger's who has recently launched the My Palette project. And I'm really excited to talk with David today because he and I both grew up uh, out in Commerce Township. And it's just really cool to have someone from around the way come on and and talk about all the cool things. that they're up to, and uh, David is the founder of Food Design HQ LLC. So he's going to spend some time talking about that, as well as what he does as the marketing officer for Air Five Inc. And some of the things that we talk about on this episode are launching the My Palette application and what it's like to be in the startup culture. Uh, a critical look at the food industry and the struggles of being a professional with a disability. So, a lot of great content coming your way today. So, without further ado, here's today's episode. Coming live from the Fly Studio in Commerce Township, it's the Fulfilling Life's Yearnings Podcast! And I'm your host, Blake Giovanni Thomas-Soule. And if you're ready to be your best by writing the script of your life to whatever you want it to be and taking action on your dreams, then this is the podcast for you. It's time to enter the fly zone. David, thanks for coming on the show with me today. How are you doing?
1: Doing fine. Thank you.
0: Awesome. So, David, just, just for starters, talk about... Uh, your beginning, Uh, one thing that's particularly interesting to me is you say that you're a young professional with Asperger's. And and for the people listening in who aren't quite aware of what that is, can you just briefly educate us on what that means and and how that has affected your life?
1: Asperger's is essentially high-functioning autism. At its core, it basically... There's no polite way to say this. I am functionally socially retarded in the sense of I cannot read certain social situations. I am more or less... uh, I am horrible at reading people, would be the best way of putting it. And very shy in crowds. Which, as a professional, can be a challenge in the sense of you have to be a 100% on... I am better in a one-on-one setting than I am in a, put me in a group setting and I will be at the outer rim the entire time. Basically due to anxiety and it's just not my scene would be the best way of putting it. It's difficult for me to explain. Blake, I know you have a psychology background Mm -hmm. where it's like for me, however, at the same point, it also grants me a few gifts in the sense of, when I get onto a project, it becomes my obsession. Mm. I—that's more or less what led to the My Palette project. Okay. I, no, go ahead. I am obsessed with food culture. I'm obsessed with restaurant, and I am obsessed with the foodie culture that exists in the United States. My major at MSU reflect is functionally food studies in the sense of it's a geography major with a large concentration of food and food science classes.
0: Now, that's interesting that you that you say that, because I was going to get to that point next. As with Augsburgers, you are, as you say, obsessed with this food culture and and anything that uh, encompasses it. So how did that come about uh, for you to pick this one thing in particular that that you focus all of your energy and attention to?
1: Honestly, it boils down to, I'd love to say, the easiest way of putting it is, I was watching Emeril with my mother against my will when I was seven, and saw him cooking and thought, okay, that's art. I can do that. And it all grew from there, in the sense of, I discovered the art of cooking I, as I grew older, I discovered the culture behind it, the reasons why certain dishes exist, such as the stir fries of Asia. I mean, Asian cuisine in and of itself, you could have an entire conversation about for hours on end. There's just too much detail. I mean, even in China alone, there are eight, there are eight different styles of cuisine, which is almost in its own way, very similar to American cuisine, in the sense of continental cuisine. When you're, Dealing with country that's literally spans the entire continent, there are obviously going to be food cultures that evolve just due to the differences in climate, temperature, the region, the local religion, the local agricultural produ- production, which is why I study geography. MSU is the sense of, okay, what are the factors that influence? I can study the system as a whole versus studying it. Individually. Say, let's take the cuisine of the Ozarks as a useful example. You have a huge influence from West Africa in the form of the cuisine, it's very southern cuisine as a whole has a lot of roots in West African cuisine. Look at Senegal. Senegal is actually a phenomenal example of what. Southern cuisine really is. I mean, you take a person from the South, put them uh, in a Senegalese restaurant, they'll recognize half of the dishes on there due to the fact that Southern cuisine evolved from the cuisine of the African Africans who were brought over from the slave trade. Mm-hmm. Forgive the dogs in the background. Mm-hmm. This I am at my parents' house, so I have to deal with two border collies.
0: Uh, no worries. So...
1: So tell me if I'm going off track.
0: No, that's great. All. I'm I'm just really fascinated and hearing what what got you on this path. So you were so that was great, you know, just that little teaching moment right there. But uh yeah, so you you're studying that at, at Michigan State. Again, you were uh watching Emerald when you were seven and you thought to yourself, Wow, this is hard, it's something I can do and and now you've made that uh, my work, life's work. Your life's work, yes. And so Talk to us about where this idea came from for uh, for food design. And you were just mentioning how you use geography to, to really understand uh, the different subcultures that influence uh, the certain types of cu- cuisines that we can find around the world. What does that have to do with uh, food design and what is that? Food design
1: headquarters, our mission statement is designing the future of food. The simple fact of the matter is unfortunately there I was reading a parable earlier today in the book is cooked by Michael Poland who's arguably the the more or less the authority on food and agricultural policy and tra and traditions in the United States at the moment and he flat out said back hundred back even sixty years ago the average person spent at least an hour a day cooking. You know, 60 years before that, they, if you wanted to eat meat, you would have to go chase a chicken, catch it, kill it, clean it, and then so on and so forth. Anyway, how it's translated into Food Design Headquarters was I wanted, and ultimately the my Palette idea was, I wanted to create a new cultural fascination around cooking. It's one of the gifts that we have of, it's the ultimate cultural gift in the sense of you are literally made of what you eat. I mean, it's why we know you can tell you can even tell the difference in a from a Westerner to a person from the east in the sense of the amount of carbon fourteen in the person's body there's a whole field of there's a whole subfield of how this came to be mostly has to do with the fact that corn picks up carbon fourteen incredibly easily. And because of the American diet being so heavily influenced by corn and cor- corn products, it's only natural that for people in the Western world, we have more carbon-14 in our diet versus people in Asia who eat a mostly rice and soy-based diet on a regular basis. So, well, ultimately, the idea behind my palate is to re- hopefully recapture... The fascination in cooking—at the very least—foodie culture is alive and well everywhere, but East Lansing. So, the idea being that you can share a picture of a dish you enjoy or a recipe you like on the Palette application, and hopefully, and we can hopefully use that data. I mean, I'm not say, I shouldn't be saying hopefully. We can use that data to relate to the chefs what the current market research what the current market trends are so we can say, hey, this is what's going to be popular in alpha, beta, zeta timeframes. Or this is most likely what the next big food trend is going to be.
0: Now that's interesting that you say that. And, and just talking about the future of food, uh, just coming out of my genetics course over at the University of Michigan, we were looking at uh, sustainability and and where Uh, the direction of food is going from, you know, from taking, you know, stem cells from a cow's shoulder to be able to grow meat without having to slaughter the animal, and then also being able to grow and create, uh, uh, synthetic food from, from the cells of, of live animals, you know, through implanting them in yeast. Uh, what, what are you, uh, particularly interested in as far as the future of food and and, and how does that play a role and in, in what you feel for sustainability and and what you're trying to, or at least uh, putting out there into the universe?
1: I would say it's a complicated question with uh, multiple parts. Right. But in the sense of, I think that the idea of growing cell, meat in labs is fundamentally an ethic it is an ethical it you're going to edit this later on the right blank
0: <laughs> so oh yeah yeah keep okay. going
1: anyway the there are three parts to this there are three parts to the answer one animal agriculture and plant agriculture are inherently linked in the sense of animal agriculture produces pardon my tongue shit which is used to fertilize crops there is no foreseeable system due to you can you can go off on like oh potassium we can use potassium nitrate the most the cheapest source of fertilizer is cow manure there's no two ways around that and as well as chicken manure i mean second the ethical concern is slaughter i mean you have to harvest an animal some way, and that's where I'm very for the process of growing being able to grow meat and protein in a lab like that i mean if anything, it makes it so that we can harvest animal we can harvest animal protein, which is essential to the human diet if you look deep enough. We are physiologically evolved for the sake of being able to devo to eat and process meat in our bodies. Otherwise, we would not have a lot of the enzymes in our butt, in our stomachs. Our teeth would lack insight, to the extent that we have them. Humans are fundamentally omnivorous, and that's the thing I personally don't understand. Leave this part out. (laughs) Uh, That's why I don't understand about vegetarianism. But also, moving forward with the future, for the American diet to be perpetuated throughout the world, it's a stupid idea in the sense of if you look at any book, uh, if you look at any research done, the American diet isn't sustainable. That is why I'm completely for growing meat products on yeast, on, as you were saying, yeast cells, bacteria, or other bacteria. It's an ethic, it's also an ethical concern and it removes slaughter from the equation. Um, But the triptych part is the sense that we need to generate animal feces to be able to use as as a sustainable source of fertilizer. There are no two ways around any of those three equations. The American diet is unsustainable via the fact that growing, getting getting from corn to cow requires I think about a thousand gallons of water per pound, something... Mm -hmm. Or it's, I don't have, it's been a while since I've looked up the numbers, so.
0: But it's, but it's a, it's a large number though, right?
1: It's, especially with the, with going towards the future, with having to have sustainable sources of water, Mm -hmm. there are going to be wars fought over, you're already starting to see it in China and India, people who are more or less fighting for their right to have access to clean and sustainable drinking water, and it's frankly. It's a sad picture painted by over the overpopulation of the planet.
0: Right, and it's only going to get worse once we hit nine billion people by twenty fifty. So, but moving on to to something else, I was interested in about your work is you talk about the startup culture. Now, as a as a young professional, you know you're still in your twenties. What what has that been like navigating through uh, this startup culture? Uh, for one from a standpoint of confidence for being able to get out there and do it, but also to being able to enter into this space as, as a newcomer.
1: It teaches you a lot. I, I make a point of talking with every person who enters my incubator. You can tell which one, the people who are new versus the ones who have actually launched products in the sense of they have innocence in their eyes. They don't know that, okay, your product launch is almost certainly going to be a complete, Complete and total disaster. And how you are going to how you're going to be let me use my pellet as an example. I had a business plan drawn up. I had everything on paper set up to for it to succeed. It was a complete and total disaster. In the sense of the app itself was incredibly buggy. It's finally up to the point where I'm talking with you, which is in its own way networking. Advertising for it. I'm getting ready to attend a a conference that I'll be able to get some big names in the food industry signed up for the app on, which is the Taste Talks in, in Chicago, to be specific. And frankly, what I would tell people who want to start a company: don't do this unless you're a willing to work 13, 14 hours a day and be strategizing for another two or three hours on end. And B, you have to learn to think on your feet. For this, there is no set plan. You're either going to be, you're either going to lose yourself in the thrill of it, and then be brought down by the lows. I mean, Ben Horowitz said it best: the fundamental emotions of startup culture are terror and euphoria, and you'll be defined not by how you measure the by how you handle the euphoria, but by how you handle the terror. When my palette launched, it was arguably the scariest thing that's ever happened to me. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, I've got an app out there that I am X, ex- that I am in debt to a relative over for getting the funds to start it up
0: mm-hmm.
1: with. I mean, the angles I'm working at right now are to be able to hire a team. I mean, if if there are any venture capitalists listening in on this, I would love to speak with you. And I know Blake will be happy to forward you my information. Because right now, the fundamental idea behind my palette is there. Now I need to formulate a team to be able to move forward with the project. And that's the other thing that a lot of people don't realize is that you can be an A-plus person. In startup culture, but how I ultimately got involved in Air Five was me recognizing, okay, yeah, I'm an A plus person, but I'm also going at this alone and don't have somebody, the person who I have mentoring me hasn't done this yet. How I got involved in Air Five was I ultimately looked into MSU's alumni network and sent out a few messages me- messages on link. I sent out a few messages on LinkedIn. And was like, hey, my name is David Welsh. I've just launched an app pretty disastrously. What are my next steps? Am I going through the right fa- Is What am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? Ultimately, the person responded was Jeremy Redman of Air 5, and he and I just started talking for hours on end. He and I, and everything I spoke to, he was like, I get it. It's not going to get easier, but you're going to Everything you're telling me says I've got nothing. Tells me that I should have nothing but faith in you as a student.
0: And what is Air Five?
1: Air Five is actually ironically how I. It's a alumni networking app. Basically, it's like the Tinder for networking. You see a person you like, and you either swipe swipe left or swipe right. Swipe left, you get coffee with them. Swipe right, you get a beer with them. It's, and this will only work if the person reciprocates that. It's also got a subscription. They're building a subscription platform into it where you pay $9 up front and you get two, you get two to three cups of coffee at a participating coffee shop. Hmm. Namely Big B Coffee is who we're working with right now. I have been in touch with a few the CEO, Bob Fish, and we'll be meeting with him when Jeremy comes to East Lansing in a few weeks. And he will be speaking at the Hive in East Lansing for our MSU listeners on, I think it's the 12th at 5 p.m.
0: The 12th of uh, October?
1: Of October, yes, Mm -hmm. I should have specified that, my bad.
0: that's awesome and so also for the startup culture what what again specifically just so the, the listeners can hear is 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 the biggest motivator I guess or what's driving you to to see this uh, through completion
1: the idea of being a 30 under 30 would be the easiest way of putting it perfect I'm hoping to get a few more nominations but I know I've got five six years left to become a th- Forbes 30 under 30 I think I've got what it takes, I'm just hoping now that what I've got in place will pull through for me.
0: I love it. And as far as your team right now, is it just you doing the day-to-day? I know you said you were looking for it's, ways to get a team, but is it just weighing on your shoulders right now at the moment?
1: It's just me at the moment. It's called between the work I do for Air 5, between the plans I'm setting in motion for my palette. And my studies, I'm probably working 14 to 15 hours a day, five days a week. Mm. I love it.
0: <laughs>
1: no, it's you have that's the other thing I should have said. Like if you are getting involved in startup culture, you have to get used to the idea that mentally you're never going to be off the job. Mm-hmm. You're always going to be working in some way or another. You're always going to have that one thing that's like, okay, I could have done that differently, or oh God, I wish I had time to get that done. That's one of those but you also have to learn to love the adrenaline of it. Oh, for sure. Where it's like, I'm sure you with uh, fulfilling life's yearnings have experienced this on experience this regularly. It, it also harkens back to the terror and euphoria quote of Ben Horowitz. You either... The process of launching a product is in and of itself a hazing phase for entrepreneurs in the sense of by the I have gained an enormous amount of job experience in the last nine months. I've put together a business plan, multiple business plans. I speak with venture capitalists on a somewhat regular basis. I know for a fact that the strategies I've been employing have caught a few, few people's eyes. And I'm doing some work right now that's getting me and Jeremy's names in the press. So I cannot complain about that at all.
0: No, that's 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 awesome to hear that. And then it's from a from an entrepreneur standpoint, an innovator who who are the people you're surrounding yourself with? Because we know that's that's very crucial to the success and and being able to maintain that that motivation that you have and that drive to move forward. Who are who are those people that keep you uh you know moving forward even when that doubt starts to creep in?
1: I more or less hang out at the at the hatch incubator at Michigan State. That's where I'm based out of. I typically spend I'm typically there from about nine in the morning to about seven or eight at night, not including my cl- not including my classes or working out but I tend to surround. I'll use uh, Josh York as an example. Josh is the founder of the York project who which is a project that for every piece of clothing you buy, he donates a pair of socks, a roll of toilet paper, and a stick of deodorant to a homeless person. And that, to me, it's I'm surrounded by people who are trying to make the next billion-dollar idea. I'm certain a few of you guys have heard of Driver on Tap. I don't know the guy personally, but... Driver on top got started at Michigan State and in the Hatch Incubator. And what a lot of people don't know is that there's an app called Adme that has about, a few, I'd say, two or three million users right now. That actually got started at Michigan State via mm. my friend Matt Carroll. Now, when I say via Matt Carroll and why Matt's not, why it, Matt essentially got brain raped in the sense of, Before he had Adme launch, he mentioned it to the wrong people and it more or less, the market was taken over Mm -hmm. before he could get into it. That's why I was so type-lipped about the MyPallet project until it was actually on iPhone and Droid. Right. Which, that's the other thing I would tell people is never expect things to go on your schedule. Mm -hmm. My develop and it's like my palette was on the app store uh, about five days after it was on Google play. So imagine being a person who has had an app developed and because of how Apple functions, not being able to use it for five or six days. Tommy O'Toole is a friend of, good friend of mine, my initial hatch mentor. And he was telling me, Oh, it's a great looking app. It's like, Okay. Okay, this isn't... This is... uh Okay, My palette is on Google Play, but I can't use it because I don't know anyone with a damn droid! Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was probably the most stressful part about the MyPallet launch, was not being able to use it until it had been on Google Play for almost a week beforehand. Yeah. I mean... Another good example of this is actually Pokemon Go, how the updates take about five to seven days at the very least for Apple, longer for Apple than, I mean, they take five to seven days longer for Apple than they do to get to Droid. I mean, that, it's annoying, but it's how Apple functions as a company. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, I'm not going to call them out for doing it. I understand why they do a lot of what they do, but it's frustrating as a entrepreneur to have to deal with, and I hope somebody from Apple hears this.
0: Oh, for sure. So, talk about uh, being being in that startup culture over at at the uh, Hatch Incubator at Michigan State. You did mention uh, another app. You said it was Drive On. You said
1: Driver on Tap.
0: Yeah, talk about that. Just for people who aren't familiar.
1: Uh, Basically, the idea behind it is if you get too drunk at a bar, you can have somebody drive you home in your own car.
0: Great idea, and it's called Drive On? Driver On Tap. Yep, Driver On Tap.
1: I'd love to say I know how to... Love to say I could use it, but I'm probably <laughs> only a handful of people who does not know how to drive at my age. <laughs> that's mostly due to being facilitated by an urban lifestyle.
0: But no, that's that's cool. But um, yeah, I, this has been really informative. And dude, it sounds like you are really on your way. And like you said, it's all about it, do, it doesn't go on your own time schedule, it's going to happen. <laughs> as long as you keep on driving forward and it seems like this is something that's going to be really cool. I'm just checking it out right now on my phone and I, and I like where you're going with this because I mean, I love food too. I don't know it as much as you do, but just to hear you talk about (laughs) it makes me more interested. Uh, Next
1: time you're at state, I'll get a group of the guys together. I'll make dinner for us all.
0: Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. And, and can't wait to do that as well. But before you get out of here, just what are your, your final thoughts about um, startup culture, what what you're going through, and and your overall message for myself, and then also the people listening in about uh, pursuing your life's work.
1: I would say be open to everything. I would. I have been in so many situations with the my palette project where I was just sitting around the hatch, maybe. Sipping on coffee or a beer, depending on what time of day it is, and just thinking, okay, where are my next moves? What can I do now? What is going to be the move that could either break me or make me? Or, in case, or probably my favorite one, what can I do to break myself just a little bit so that I can figure out, okay, what's my weakness now? How can I address it? And then finally addressing it. It's only when you've been broken that you can really look at the pieces that you have in your game plan from a strate- from a strategic standpoint. I mean, the easiest way to do strategy is to look at how you would take yourself out from a pers- from the eyes of somebody who would be seeking to destroy your company.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: I mean, it's Hard to look that way, but it's one of those cases of in startup culture. If you don't learn to do that early on, you are not going to be setting yourself up for success.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're only as strong as your weakest action. And frankly, I don't like to have a lot of weak actions in my arsenal. Right. Yeah, I uh, would also say that startup culture it teaches you to be adaptable. In ways you won't even know until you start doing it. No one ever, I was talking with a kid the other day who's like, oh yeah, you sound like a sheep. It's like, you ever think that a wolf is, in all seriousness, just a sheep that learned to be smart? I mean, the best way of saying uh, that, actually, that came out wrong. It's the sense of the wolves are the sheep who have fallen away from the pack and learn how to get back into the into the, it's uh, i think this and then there's the brain to mouth disconnect i'm sorry blake
0: no I, no i got what you meant. so the you were saying that the the wolf was able to uh blend or get away from the herd and then the the pack excuse me by being able to adapt to uh the culture around him or her correct No, I love that. So that was that was gold right there. And then also, David, just talk about, uh, before we get out of here, what uh, your definition of fulfilling life's yearnings would be.
1: Pursuing your passion. That would be the easiest way of phrasing it. Pursuing your passion and not letting anyone get in your way. There's always there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. It's called, how hard do you push to get to the light? And the question is, what kind of light is it? Is it the light at the end of the tunnel that says, this is the end? Or is it the light at the end of the tunnel that says, keep pushing on? And every entrepreneur who you talk to has seen the light at the end of the tunnel multiple times. The question is, is this finally the time to quit or is this the time where I keep pushing myself harder and harder and harder? That's your answer.
0: Yeah, that's perfect. So that was David Welsh, the founder of food design headquarters, LLC, the marketing officer of air five Inc. And also the creator of his latest project, uh, my palette. So David, what can we do, um, to see what you're up to, uh, to learn more about the work that you're doing, and then also to just kind of stay involved and active in, in your tinkering's and creations.
1: Uh, I would say if you want to get a hold of me, message, connect with me on LinkedIn. That's uh, that. So in so many ways, I just got a few emails. I'm sorry from Jeremy, but uh, anyway, I'm sorry, Blake, my mind just got your. Uh, I would say connect with me if you think you could be of some help. Either email me at fooddesignhq at gmail dot com. I, Blake, if you could include that that contact info in the podcast link, I'd be really appreciative of it. And I think I'm going to be posting articles on LinkedIn for just as progress as progress reports. And if you're a student at Michigan State, if you're willing to work for free. And willing to help me, give me a hand with either the work I'm doing for Air 5 or the work I'm doing for food for my palate. I would love to hear from you. Because frankly, right now I'm at a place where the difference between my palate being the next big thing as well as Air 5 being the next big thing is the size of the team and the strengths of it.
0: Awesome. So I'll make sure we put all of that information out there for this episode. And David, thank you again for coming on. Man, to me, this was like being in a lecture today, just hearing hearing your ideas and what you think and just learning more about this food culture and and what got you started on this path. So thanks a lot for uh, coming on with us today and look forward to seeing you soon.